0: Mark 5, 1 through 20. It said, when they arrived at the other side of the lake, the demon-possessed man ran out from the graveyard just as Jesus was climbing out of the boat. The man lived among the gravestones and had such strength that whenever he was put into handcuffs or chains, uh, uh, he, he snapped them and broke them. And, and I'm paraphrasing a little bit. And, and he broke loose. In other words, uh, uh, they said that, that he, no one was strong enough to control him. All the day long and the night, he would wander among the tombs and in his, in the wild hills, screaming and cutting himself with sharp pieces of stone. When Jesus was still far off on the water, the man seen him and ran to meet him and fell down before him. Then Jesus spoke to the demon within the man and said, Come out, you evil spirit. He gave a a terrible scream, shrieking, What are you going to do with me, Jesus, Son of the most high God? And he said, For Jesus' sake, don't torture me. What's your name? Jesus asked. And the demon replied, Legions, for there are many of us here within within this man. Then the demon begged him again and again not to send him into some distant land or uh, but now, as it happened, there was a huge herd of hogs rooting on, on the hill above the lake. Send us into the hogs, the demons begged. And said, And Jesus gave them permission. Then the evil spirits came out of the man and entered in the, the hogs. And the entire herd plunged down the steep hillside to the lake and drowned it. My father-in-law used to tell me a long time ago, matter of fact, I hadn't really started serving the Lord then, he said, Ben, he said, hogs are smarter than some folks. What do you mean? He said, well, the hogs would rather to die than to live with being full of demons. He said, some people just pet the demons. Give them whatever they want. Enough of that i go on. The herdsmen fell to the nearby town. The herdsmen fled to the nearby nearby towns and countryside, spreading the news as they ran. Everyone rushed out to see see for themselves, and a large crowd soon gathered where Jesus was. But as they saw the man sitting there, fully clothed and perfectly sane, they were frightened. Those who saw what happened were telling everyone about it, and the crowd began to plead with Jesus to go away, and leave them alone. So he got back into the boat. The man who had possessed, been possessed by the demons begged Jesus to let him go along or come along with him. But Jesus says, no. Go home, he says, to your friends, he told him, and tell them what wonderful things God has done for you and how merciful he's been. So the man started off to visit the ten towns of the region and began to tell everyone about the great things Jesus had done for him. They were awestrucken by the story. I want to talk to you a little bit this morning, if you'll just bear with me, about three things. What demons can do, what God can do, or what Jesus can do, and what you can do. You see, when we look at this, uh, there, there's a sad picture there. It's a sad picture of a man that's, that's running around through the tombs, a man that needs help desperately. And we can see what demons can do. A lot of people today don't think there's anything like demons around. I've met church folks who don't believe in demons. But I don't know how we can not believe in demons and believe in the Lord. They're real. Looking back in the Bible, I could tell you that one time Satan was an archangel, but something got a hold of him. He thought, I'm going to sit in God's throne, and God cast them all out. When he came to the earth, he was transformed from an angel to the devil, and the angels that followed him were changed from angels to demons, and the earth is filled with them. If God would roll back the portholes and let us look into the spiritual world, here on earth it would scare many of us out of our wits. But I want you to know something, that God is able to fix situations, but demons exist. And here's a perfect picture of this. It's not just a storybook. This is not just a storybook of of a bunch of fantasies or a bunch of make-believe. This is real, real stuff. This is our road map to keep us on track so that when we time for us to go home, that we can go home to be with the Lord. We need to read it. We need to study it. We need to see what it's saying to us. But getting back to my story, this is a hurting world that we live in. and People need help. This man needed help. So let's, let's look at demons for a moment. We don't know much about who this man was that was possessed with the demons. The Bible doesn't tell us that. But we know this about him. He was somebody's son. It could have been your son or your son or your son, or my son. It could have been had it not been for Jesus. If you're saved this morning and you're in your right mind, you woke up in your right mind because of Jesus. If you're here this morning, you're here because God's mercy in your life didn't let the devil kill you somewhere before now. He was somebody's son. He was undoubtedly someone's. Relative. He could have been somebody's husband. He could have been somebody's daddy. But what we do know was he was bound by the demons that were inside of him. Notice what the demons had done. He lived in the tomb. You see, he was homeless. He didn't have a home. He lived in the graveyard and on the hillside. He may have spent some nights on the trees somewhere, but most of the time he was running around screaming and hollering and hurting himself. The devil likes for you and I to hang out with those that are spiritually dead, If you're going to be somewhere you need to be with God, you need to break away from the crowd that's spiritually dead and get with somebody that's headed toward glory. He wants them to be an influence to you, the spiritually dead crowd that you're hanging around. He wants them to drag you down as they're going down, unless they change. It says something else about him, it says no man could tame him. In verse 4. Think about that. There are a lot of people today, men and women both, young and old, who have a violent spirit about them. It seems nobody can tame them. I've met people, no matter how hard you tried, they were bent on going their way. And I've known some that, that are now that are locked up because they wouldn't take counsel. Nobody can do anything with them because they don't want anybody to do anything with them. They're intent on destruction because that's what demons do. They lead you to destruction. That's what the devil does. And he doesn't care who he does it to. He's just looking for somebody that's got the guard down where he can move in. Notice what else demons have done. He was continually crying, the man uh, from the tombs. Everywhere he went, he was crying. The text said he was always night and day in the mountains and in the graveyard crying. Have you ever seen anybody crying and didn't know what they was crying for? Seemed like they could never get past it. It's a sad thing to see when you try to talk to them. They've lost all hope and, and they feel like nothing's ever going to go right. Have you noticed how many people cry today over just anything and everything? They cry over what the devil is doing in their families, to their moms and to their dads and to the children. They cry over drugs. They can't get out, get out of the situation. We live in a time today when the devil likes to use drugs and substance. Uh, if you're not taking it, you're snorting it or shooting it up. That's not God. That's the enemy trying to steal people's souls to get you so hung up on these things that you can't thank for your own self to get you in a position where you lose your house and you're out someplace crying and doing the same thing that this man was doing. There's no difference in the demons then and now except Today the demons have gotten more sophisticated because the world is more sophisticated and more educated. And so he's moved up a spell where he can work on you As sure he worked on that man there. He'll come up beside you and try to make out like he's your best friend. He'll promise you the world to get you attention so he can lead you down the wrong path. I don't believe the man in the graveyard was born in the graveyard. The scripture didn't say that he was born there in that condition. He, he said, Jesus said, who are you? And he said, we're legions. Devils had moved into him. We were praying for a young man. Uh, I say a young man. He was probably in his late 30s one time. And, and he swiveled around on the floor to, to talk to the guy just outside. You'd think that he was perfectly okay. But the spirit was moving one night and, and began to see a, a, a Expression on him, and, and I knew that there was problems there, and he'd come up the altar, and we began begin to pray for him, and he just quivered around on the floor like a snake in hissed. Praying for a young woman one night, and she screamed and fell on the floor, and we began to pray for her and turned away looking as we were praying for her, and I had my hand close by and looked back, and she had tried to reach up, in her teacher like that. When I, if I hadn't pulled my finger back, I would have had a nub. You know what happened next? A voice came out of that lady like a man's voice, a deep voice, and said, you can't have her. She belongs to me. Demons are real today as heaven is real today. This man was possessed, but we don't want to think about people today being possessed. We're too educated, too sophisticated, because we think we've grown past those things. that that's with somebody's imagination. I'm reminded of a story of a young prostitute crying in a courtroom because her babies were being taken away from her. She wanted to get out of that lifestyle, but she couldn't get out as hard as she tried. She kept being sucked back into it. And some of us here today are in lifestyle that we don't like where we are, but you'll never get out until you get to the place that you're willing to give it up and take up Jesus and follow him because you're no match for the enemy on your own. If you live to be a hundred years old, you'll not be a match to the enemy of your soul. He's been at it since the beginning of time. He got cast out of heaven because he was going to take over up there. And surely to goodness, here on earth, there's not anybody that's a match for him. The only way we can be a match for the devil is to get behind the Lord. Let the Lord go before us. Be led by the Holy Ghost. And then we can be a match and more than a match to him, because Jesus' grace is sufficient. The man in our text was always crying in the graveyard. That's what the devil wants to do with you and I. He also, this young man, look what he did. He abused himself. He was always cutting himself, and he was filled with demons, and they would call him to cut himself. And and he wanted to destroy himself because he felt like there was nothing for him. He just What would you do if you was in his shoes but want to just abuse yourself? He didn't like his body, so he cut it as he ran and screamed through the hillside. But I want you to know something. no not matter how bad you get off or how much problem you have, God loves you. And I love you. You don't have to be hung up on something for the devil. Now, a lot of people might not believe this, but the devil used alcohol to hang people up. I met people that you couldn't stand to be around them when they was drunk, and you couldn't stand to be around them until they got high because they were so miserable trying to be something without the crutch they was leaning on till they just couldn't do it. They couldn't fellowship. They couldn't cope with things around them, but the problem was they would have to have one more drink, and then they'd go off the other way, and you'd almost have to be drunk to hang around them then. Now look at what God does, and what the Lord can do. Notice what Jesus can do. This man saw Jesus from afar off. the enemy knows you. He knows if you got the goods, if you don't. He saw Jesus from afar off. And the demons in him cried out, Don't torment us, he says. Don't torment us before our time. The demons were obviously afraid of Jesus. See, they they, they know who he is. And Jesus commands them to come out. And he asked him, what's your name? And, and said, my name is Legion. And when I got a hold of that, I read something a little further uh, as I was studying on that. And, and it kind of confused me because the, the man that I got some information from, he said, they was six thousand demons in that man, and I'd never read nothing, Brother White, that said anything about how many was in him that I could remember. So I did some research, and, and I knew it was referring back to the time of the Roman army. So I looked, and they said a, a legion in a Roman army was between three and six thousand people, where I read it. And, and so uh, I got over and I checked some other translation. And God's Word translation says uh, uh, Jesus asked him, he said, "What's your name?" And he told Jesus, my name's legion, 6,000, because there are many of us. That's how the, the, the uh, God's Word translation brings it around. And so I felt safe in saying that there were 6,000 of them. Jesus commanded those demons to come out of the man, and they came out. I want you to get a hold of it. They came out. He didn't argue with them. He didn't plead with them. He spoke to them, and they came out. I see people sometimes try and try and try and try, and sometimes we don't get things done. But when Jesus is in the program, things get done. Amen. What else Jesus is going to do? Notice this. In Mark 16 and 17, And those who believe shall use my ability to cast out demons, and they shall speak with you a language the living Bible says. Now, he, get that scripture. He said, those who believe will cast out demons. But he says, in my name, you will cast out demons. Not just anybody. Not just anybody. Not just anybody. But just the ones that know the Lord can use his name to get it to happen. A uh, little place further to go with you to take you there. In Acts 19 and 4 through 16, it says seven sons of Seba, a Jewish chief, uh, were doing this. And one day, in other words, they were going around and they were going to try to cast out demons. As they was going around doing that, one day they come up to this guy with demons and they said, in the name of Jesus, catch this, the demon spoke back and said, Jesus, I know and know about Paul, but who are you? But who are you? We think sometimes that we can hide where we are and what we're doing and where we're being. But just because people come to church don't mean you can do all the things the Bible talks about. Because guess what happened to this guy? It said, then the man who had evil spirit jumped on them. Now, now stop and think about this for a moment. It said seven sons of Sipha were there to do that. This was one guy that was with demons. And he jumped on them. He overpowered them, all seven of them, and he gave them such a beating that they fled from the house naked and bleeding. You need to know who you are and where you are in the Lord before you go to even try to do something like that. It's real. It happens. People have been delivered from demons. It has been simply by people laying hands on people. They didn't have to go someplace else to get it done. They didn't have to go through a process. They didn't have to stay locked up someplace. But when a man of God or woman that's really got the goods lays hands on somebody, look out, some things are going to happen. But if you don't have the goods, you better stay back and let it alone. They came out when Jesus laid his hands on them. You say, well, Brother Ben, how do you know the difference? You know the difference if, if you've got the authority. You have to have the authority. And you can't, just because you say in the name of Jesus, doesn't give you the authority to walk up and say, I'm going to release this person of demons. Going to this church don't give you that authority. Going to the Baptist convention don't give you that authority. Being a high up in the church of God don't give you that authority. Being a TV evangelist don't give you that authority. But it's who you are in Jesus Christ. Amen. They thought they was going to do it. They wanted to do it. Now why would anybody want to do something like that when you know you don't have the goods, when, when you know that you're still hanging out in the world, when you know that you're not really living where you ought to, why would you even start step out to do something like that? First thing comes to my mind is there's a streak of pride in that person about that wide and they want to be in the middle of the picture. They want to be seen of what's going on. They want to do it so as people know that i done it. But it's not you and I that does it. It's God that does it through you and I. If we do anything good, it's God through you and I. And you have to pay the price to get there. Jesus gives us what makes it different? What makes it work? Jesus gives us the power of attorney to do that because that he looks in our life and he sees who we are and he knows that we're living on the blood. We're living like we need to be. And if you have the power of attorney, you can do it. Come here, son. This is my son. Just like this is Jesus' daughter. He's my son. And I can say, son, we got a bank account down there with your name on it, my name on it. I, I give the banker authority to put his name on my bank account. And then I can say to him, son, go down and get me a $1,000 if I should have that in there. They won't have any problem with him giving him $1,000 out of my bank account. But I need to have it in there first. We know Jesus got Everything needs to be. But he has to to show some things when he gets down there, namely his ID, and they would gladly give it to him. That's power of attorney. I give him power of attorney to take care of my stuff. God gives you power of attorney for whatever you need in this life to use his name. I, I, uh, I hear so much today, and I know everybody means well, but I hear things like, well, God this and God that and God this. And and, 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 and I know you mean well by it, but we, we're leaving out an important element in what we've had. We need to say, God, if we're going to say God, God in the name of Jesus that died on the cross from me. Lord, I need some help. But we just don't go to God and say, God, I need this, I want this, you blah, 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 and go on like that. Jesus has got to be in the middle of the mix, and you've got to be his son or daughter. Yeah. <laughs> Apparently, these guys were far from it. But guess what? I promise you, they wouldn't go back and try that again. <laughs> that situation still happens. In the church world today, I I, I need to move on. I hadn't got time to say there, but uh, oh, I, I like where we was going there. When Jesus does something, we don't have to go see a psychiatrist. I thank God for psychiatrists. I'm not putting them down. The world needs psychiatrists. When Jesus touches somebody and heals them, we don't need a doctor. And I thank God for doctors. But I believe we can get close enough to God that we don't need psychiatrists, we don't need doctors, we don't need AA alcoholics or whatever you want to call it. My wife said I was a total drunk when I met her. I say I was never drunk. I may have been a little tipsy a time or two. But when, when I quit drinking, I didn't go through nine steps or ten steps or twelve steps. I went through one step from there to the altar. And when I got up, I was through with it. Now, I'd lie to you if I told you that I never thought I'd have another drink. There's been times that I felt like going and get the bottle and chug-a-lug. But God, when he saves you, he leaves something for you to do. He saves the spiritual part of you, but he said, now I'm going to let you work on who you see in the mirror. Yes, right, That's your responsibility. See, I've talked to people that, that battle with smoking, and I got so aggravated with Pentecostal people years ago about smoking, I want to put a bumper sticker on the back of my car and say, Lord, deliver me from them people. <laughs> now, granted, I, I don't advocate smoking, the doctors have been smart enough for years. They said it's hard on your body. It'll cause you to have a shorter lifespan, most cases, that if you don't if you smoke, then you would if you didn't smoke. But I like to tell people today it won't take you to hell, smoking won't. Bro, they won't cause you to go to hell, but it'll make you smell like you just got back from there. And I don't know where you going to witness somebody about Jesus being good and being able to deliver you when you won't quit smoking. God says, I'm going to leave something for you to do. And he wants you to be not so weak-minded and so weak in him that you can't suffer a little bit for him. I promise you, if you're smoking and you love Jesus, you stop and find out whether you love him more than you love your cigarette, you'll lay him down and you'll fight with all this within you not to do it because it messes up your witness. I'm, I'm speaking from experience. I love to smoke a pipe. And I loved a good cigar every now and then. Today, if I was to walk by a pipe store, the devil would sit on my shoulder and say, camp out here while you know you like it. And I do, I love the smell of the aroma of the pipe. I mean of the back of the store. But see, I don't serve him. I serve a higher power. And my witness is worth more to me than satisfying what this flesh wants to taste or feel or smell every now and then. Jesus died on a cross for you and I. He didn't have to. Before we ever was thought about, he died for us. And everybody will have to make up your mind one day or another. I can't do it for you. Nobody else can do it for you. Who do you love the most? That hang-up you got are Jesus. Who is really your God? That hang-up that you've been hung up with are Jesus. If I'm going to have a hang-up, I want to be on the Lord, not on something else. Am I being too hard on you this morning? No. Praise God. All he had to have was Jesus. And they came out. I like that, Brother Terry. That's all we need is Jesus. And all these other things will fall off of you if you just let Jesus have his way. When Jesus got through with him, the people saw the man sitting quietly at the feet of Jesus, clothed in his right mind. I can't clothe anybody in their right mind. I can't even get you to do what you don't want to do. Jesus only wants to do it, and Jesus won't make you do anything you want to do. You know there's more miserable people per hundred in the church than they are on the outside of the church. You know why? Because inside the church there's more people that just want to be where they are today. you got to want to move out of the place where you are. I come out of a church, they was all-time preaching about the Word, about the Lord and all this, but what they was always doing, preaching what you can't do. I didn't want nothing to do with them. But you know what i found out since I've been saved? It's not a can't-do Jesus that I serve. It's a can-do. I can quit doing this. I can enjoy the Lord. I don't have to go to church. I get to go to church. I don't have to preach. I get to preach. Praise the Lord. This morning I told Brother White, I said, Brother White, you better get ready because I don't know if I can talk now because my tongue is messing up. One side of it, it seemed like I got no feeling in it. A little while later, it seemed like it got better. I could have used that excuse. Oh, boy, (laughs) Brother White, go do it. My my tongue, but it it, it hangs in there. Now, if I mumble a word every now and then and and it messes up, well, then you'll have to forgive me for that. By the way, there's some Christians around that thinks, well, I'm saved, but I'm blessed. God, it's their fault. I don't have to forgive nobody. They did it. Why should I be the one to, to make it right? That, again, is a type of pride that sticks in a Christian's crawl to keep us from being the person God called us to be. Catch this. Jesus on the cross says, Father, forgive them. They don't know not what they do. He, he didn't deserve to be on the cross. So maybe, maybe we don't deserve to be the one that have to apologize for uh, friction the devil puts in between people. But just because that we call ourselves a Christian it is enough to apologize and say, let the Lord have the glory out of this. If it will fix it, I'll take the blame. Look what Jesus can do is the next thing. Or look what we can do. We went through Jesus, didn't we? Look what we can do. Jesus says, go home. You can't go with me. Go home. When we get saved, we need to turn our attention toward Home. Men and women to each other, to their families, to the children. But more than that, we, we need to go home and we need to tell people what the good thing is the Lord's done in our lives. And you say, Well, Brother Ben, I can't testify. I don't know how to testify. What do I say? Just tell people what God's done for you. Just be honest, be truthful. Just tell God people what God has done for you. Has He done anything for anybody here this morning? Then if He boy it don't sound like very many got anything done for you this morning. If God's done something to you, if the Lord's done something to you, and by the way, He's done something for all of you that claim to be saved this morning, He's forgiven you of your life before you come to Him. That's enough to praise Him about and to glorify Him about. So what do we do when, when the Lord has done something for us? We go and testify and tell somebody. Bible says spread the good news, and that's good news. He set me free. You know what's good? The thing about the Lord is He'll put up with us when nobody else won't. Have you ever noticed that? You can get upside down with your boyfriend, your girlfriend, your wife, or your husband. The Lord still loves you. He may not like the attitude you got. He may not like the company you've been hanging out with, but he still loves you. I thank the Lord for his love, his unchanging love. He told him to go home. and Listen to what he said. Tell what great things the Lord has done. Tell what great things the Lord has done. Anybody in here ought to be able to spread the good news. He's not asking you to preach the whole Bible. He's at asking you to let people know what God's done in your life. Now, the kick to that is don't you go out there and tell somebody all these great things that you've heard somebody said God's done for them because if they know you and they know you're not living where you're talking, then you're not spreading good news. I'm not ashamed. Paul said of the gospel. Well, I'm not ashamed, and I do it my way. I'm not ashamed to tell you where I come from and what I got hung up in and, and, and those things like that. I'm not ashamed to tell you that, that I used to uh, uh, be full of the Spirit all the time, but not God's Spirit. I'm not ashamed to tell you that, that I even made a little spirits in my life, not God's spirits. But I, I'm not ashamed to tell you that God delivered me from that lifestyle, and God's no respecter of person according to the word. And what he's done for one, he'll do for another. And if you got the hang-up I had, God will fix it for you if you just trust God like I did. And by the way, God just don't work on people that's got to hang up with alcohol. He works on people that's got to hang up with every hang-up there is. Why? Because the devil has put the hang-ups out there for you to get hooked on. But God's the way to get free through Jesus Christ. He didn't just hang on the cross because it was fun, folks. He hung on the pro- cross because he had you and I on his mind, and we needed a deliverer, and the only deliverer we could have was Jesus Christ. i want to tell you something. I'm one of them preachers who believes that you, and believe it with all my heart, that, that if, you could, if you had to, you could just tear out the half of the Bible, the old Bible, and you could leave it to go, and just pick up Matthew and go with it from there on, and live the pages of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and you would make it to heaven. If you really, really lived it, and that's the kicker, there's going to be people that misses glory that knows the Bible. There's going to be people that misses glory that's taught the Bible. There's going to be people that misses glory that stood behind the pulpit and preached the Bible. You know why? Because we haven't been living it. you got to live it. The devil has made a havoc out of the ministry and the church in so many areas by, by having uh, double agents come into the church and want to paint a pure picture of how they are a Christian, but yet uh, uh, sometimes not only in the church, but when they go outside the door, they revert, they turn like that lizard uh, uh, will change colors in whatever environment he's in. And, and you, you can't, he fits in, you see. When he comes into the church house, he fits in, he, he acts like us, he shouts like us, he, he'll dance like us. Oh, I, I can do that little two step they're talking about, but I got to get it, I, I got to get God to help me out, don't you know? I can't just do it because we're doing it. Because, see, the old man. Have done lost his step, but then in the God, in the God that I serve, I got a new step, and the Lord's able to help us do it, and He's got a, all the help you need yes, amen. to walk the way He wants you to need and wants and needs you to walk. But He needs something from you. It's called being willing to walk how He's called you to walk. He didn't make anybody in here a zombie or a puppet where somebody dangles you on a string and makes you dance. You're in control of who you are. Since you're more than a conquering God, somebody come back up here again. I'm going to quit before I get carried away.